This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. Yes, indeed, we've got a loaded show for you today. I am Chip Brown, joined as always by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chip. How about you? Well, I'm doing great because we are, well, we got, there's a lot of stuff happening. Right. A lot of stuff. Um, if you've been following along at Horns 24-7, as of course you should be, I mean, how many promos do we have to give you? <laughs> To become a member of Horns 24-7 for like pennies on the dollar for crying out loud. And you're always going to be ahead of your, you know, tailgate, uh, fellow tailgaters. I mean, unless they're also members of Horns 24-7. <laughs> but we always say, look, if you subscribe to more than one Texas site, we have to be one of them. We have to be one of them. If we're not, y'all are missing the boat. So um, we've been reporting about the. The football team, the, we broke the story about the COVID-19 and then the pause. And we also broke the story about them uh, planning to resume spring practice. So Taylor, they've been, and that's going to happen on Thursday. As of right now, we're recording on Wednesday. And we've been writing about these walkthroughs and everyone's like walkthrough. Well, what, how's that different from a practice? Okay. Well, the walkthrough has no footballs. There's no ball. So without a ball, it's technically not a practice. Right. How do you like that? I mean, welcome. So they're like to simulating Kovadira. passing. The quarterbacks like drop back in seven on seven and pump fake one way and then throw, you know, a fake pass the other way. And the coaches watch and see how all the players react. I mean, look whatever it takes to get the plays installed, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing right now. You know, I mean, obviously you want to see these coaches probably want to see these guys in action and what they can do. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing right now, Chip is you nailed it is just going through the motions a little bit. If they're able to do that and still be able to have a full spring practice schedule, then, you know, that's, I think a positive thing, I guess, but it does seem weird that there's no ball. I don't necessarily understand and why there's not a ball but well so they had a so they had the tests they come back they have a practice they come back from spring break they have a practice on Tuesday and then they get positive tests on Wednesday they pause the uh the spring practices because you got the defensive line we've been told were affected the running back room the receiver room and the secondary room and we reported this week, there were even a few more positive tests this week, but it was such a small number that they feel like, okay, we've got this contained. 
and we can start back up with practices on Thursday. So we'll see if that is indeed the case and we'll just watch and, and see, but obviously everyone was like, Oh, really spring practice paused because of this. But as you pointed out, it's a week. They don't even need to ask the NCAA for any kind of extension. They have plenty of time. I mean, they have till the end of the semester basically, but um, it's, you know, they're going to get their work in. So let's uh, let's make sure we, we state that barring any craziness. So, and there was news beforehand. I mean, Jake Smith has a, a broken bone in his foot and they, you know, you're going to have to fight through some, you're still waiting on Derek Kerstetter. Troy O'Meary is still not going to be involved in contact. He can go through position drills without contact. So, you know, let's get this party started, Taylor. Let's, let's get some, let's get some practices in and, and see where these guys are. Yeah, no doubt about it, Chip. And the other thing too, they're going to be without um, DeMarvian Overshawn, who uh, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, told us that he had surgery. Um, basically, I think during spring break is what he said. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's definitely some holes that need to be filled on the roster. And, you know, I, I, I think we've talked about this before, though. I think this is a perfect opportunity for a lot of these younger guys who were, came in as highly touted, you know, recruits. It's their time to really prove themselves while these guys that probably are the likely starters, you know, at positions are uh, sidelined. So, I mean, if anything, you know, competition makes teams, that's why teams are so good. If there's competition. If there's no competition, probably not getting much better. So I think that's a, a good thing. It is kind of interesting. What I was thinking of when um, Texas paused spring practice and everything is think about like when um, they returned to campus in June, then they had all of the <laughs> cases that came down positive and they had to pause spring or, um, excuse me, summer, you know, workouts and stuff. It kind of seems a little bit sim- similar. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a coincidence or what, but it just seems kind of interesting. Well, and there was, look, we reported that there were players who went to Miami for spring break and, and some of those players ended up testing positive. But, um, you know, you and I were talking before we started the podcast about, okay, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, what do you do? Do you tell them, look, don't, don't go anywhere for spring break, stay here. Or do you tell them, Hey, be responsible. Um, enjoy your spring break. And we'll see when you get back. Don't get out of shape because we're going to be going hard. And remember how upset Sark was with how guys were in survival mode right. at the end of the first practice. Like he was hot. He was mad. He was mm-hmm. mad that guys, weren't in shape, you know, I mean, so this will be a good little coming together moment for them to get on the same page. Um, But if you're Sark, do you tell them not to go on spring break? I mean, it's a tricky, I think it's a really tricky situation for him because obviously, you know, head coaches, technically they probably have the right to say that to their team, um, especially when they're about to start practicing, but at the same time, as a first 
year head coach who's trying and all the assistants who are trying to develop this, these relationships with the team and get the guys to, you know, really buy in and trust them and everything. I think that makes it to where it would be hard to say that. And especially considering how um, not smooth the transition from Charlie Strong to Tom Herman went, you know, having a back-to-back, you know, type of coach that tries to dictate, you know, your free time when you're a college student, that's tough. I think, you know, I think moving forward, you know, I think it's totally fair if, if that were the case, you know, if he told guys, we don't want you going and partying in spring break because you're going to come back out of shape and use this year as almost a a reminder of remember how bad and out of shape y'all were in, you know, the start of spring practice. But I, I don't necessarily think that it's, I mean, it's a tough situation for Steve Sarkeesian. I don't necessarily know if I were a first-year head coach, if I would go in the direction of demanding college students to not do something on spring break when they're, you know, in school, they're at practice all the time. I mean, it is a break, you know? So I think if these are student athletes, it makes it a little tricky. And they didn't get a spring break last year, obviously, because the world was shut down. So, you know, some of these guys are veterans and they want to try and get a spring break in before they leave college. Nonetheless, um, now that we know football is about to resume, you end up with a week where you're not able to practice, but you are conducting these walkthroughs. So you are getting, you know, a chance for players to be on the field and have a play called to see how they react and are they moving in the, into the right gaps and doing the right things. And, and so it wasn't a complete loss and now uh, we'll get back into football and, and, and we'll keep you up to date on that. Everything going on at horns 24 seven. In the meantime, we've had 15 time national championship swim coach, Eddie Reese win that 15th national title and then retire announce his retirement. And Taylor, this is, this is massive. I mean, this guy is the best at, at what, he does right. ever. And, um, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, I've covered him for 28 years, 29 years of his, of his 43 years at Texas. And he is a treasure. First of all, obviously I'm not breaking any news there, but the way he keeps it so simple and so straightforward and takes his ego out of it is phenomenal. And it's a lesson for every coach no matter what sport they're, they're coaching because he told me and um, I, cause I've, well, we had him on the flagship podcast. He told us on the flagship podcast, he said, it's amazing what coaches can do when they remove their ego from the equation and really listen to their athletes and figure out how to make them go faster better, stronger. And Eddie Reese has done that for 43 years and beyond. I mean, he was at Auburn before he went to Texas. He's been the U S Olympic swim coach multiple times. He will be on the Olympic coaching staff this year. And he, heck he coached Joseph schooling, Texas swimmer, Joseph schooling, who was swimming for Singapore. He was his individual coach in Rio in 2016 and helped him break Michael Phelps dominance in the hundred butterfly. And I'm like, Eddie, that had to have been one of your crowning achievements. He said, I didn't do anything. I wasn't in the pool. I'm like, 
come on, man. Yeah. But anyway, um, that is a just a huge moment. But he will stay on as an emeritus coach. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, means I don't have to go to the meets. I can just show up in the mornings, work with the swimmers and go home to my family. And I said, okay. He said, and I will do that. So I said, do you know who the next coach is going to be? He's like, I have a pretty good idea, but we're not talking about that till after the Olympic trials. So, um, and then Taylor also, and I don't know if you have a thought on Eddie Reese or not. I, um, the guy is, he's just a treasure. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, we had him on the flagship podcast in the past and, um, I mean, the record speaks for itself, you know, 15 time national champion. Um, and he was, you know, I thought it was interesting. I didn't realize this until, uh, Chris Del Conte had, I think he mentioned it that, um, the first time that he sat down with Eddie Reese after he was hired, um, as the athletic director at Texas, Eddie Reese told Chris Del Conte that he was the, the last coach remaining that Daryl Royal hired when he was an athletic director at Texas. Um, that's crazy. I mean, that just shows how not, I mean, I, it's so rare nowadays, I feel like for anybody to really, a coach to stick around at a place. And obviously if you're having success, why not stick around, but to stick around for that long, I mean, that's something without retiring. I mean, he's what, how old is he? 79? Is that what yeah, he's turning 80 this summer? And that's what you know, Del Conte, he said, I need to talk to you after they won the national championship. And Del Conte said, Oh no, oh, he no. said, you're not going to retire. Are you? And he said, yes. Yeah. And Del Conte said, can you not? <laughs> and he said, I turn 80 this summer. I'm ready to spend more time with my wife, my grandchildren, my dog. And, and you're right. He was hired by Daryl Royal in 1978. And Chris Del Conte is the one who finally got him his outdoor pool. It's named for Eddie Reese. They still need to, you know, do more. But anyway, um, congratulations to Eddie. He, he's going out on top. He said, I always promised I would leave before anyone wanted me to leave. Right. And so he said, I'm doing that. And um, he's leaving. But Vic Schaefer, the women's basketball coach in his first year, takes the Texas women, a, a rotation of six players, only one of whom is taller than six feet. Charlie Collier, who happens to be a Lisa Leslie Award finalist. Um, and they had the seventh best offense in the Big 12 this year. There's only 10 teams in the Big 12. So they were a really good defensive team. Some nights you didn't know if they were going to be able to score the ball. And they take down third seed at UCLA. They take down the highest scoring team in the NCAA tournament, Maryland, who a lot of people had picked to go to the Final Four in the sweet 16 to reach the elite eight in Vic Schaefer's first year with a team that I just, I thought, wow, what an accomplishment to win a game in the NCAA tournament and then to get to the elite eight. And there's help on the way, Taylor, three top 25 recruits, including two top 10 recruits. Um, you know, Aaliyah Moore, uh, one of the top forwards in the country, two of the best point guards in the country, including Rory Harmon coming in. So, and two top JUCOs, including a, a six foot five um, center as Charlie Collier moves on to the WNBA. So kudos to Vic Schaefer. He transformed those girls mentality and got them physically to, to buy in to playing 40 minutes of relentless defense and it paid off in a, in a big way. And 
that was a really cool story to follow. Yeah, it definitely was. And if you did not um, catch Monday's episode of the flagship podcast, we had Vic Schaefer on um, for the interview edition. Now, obviously, it was before the Elite Eight game. So there was some preview of that. But just hearing him, Chip, talk and how how much he praises, you know, his team. And I mean, you can tell he truly true. Number one, he knows what he's doing. First of all, first and foremost, number two, I think he truly cares about this team. And that's, that's not necessarily always the case for first year head coaches. I mean, obviously coaches care about their teams. I'm not trying to say that, but I mean, he didn't have prior relationships with these, these, uh, you know, girls on the team. And he just to get that type of buy-in, especially when it matters most. And, you know, you look at the men's basketball program, how it has been trending for the last six years. It was the opposite. It was this, 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 this crash when it mattered the most. And, you know, Texas women were kind of like, whoa, you know, I mean, it's like that's that shows that that is a a sign to me as a of what a well-coached team and a well-disciplined team does. And, um, you know, I think that this will be an exciting you know program um, to watch for the future um, under Vic Schaefer and his staff. I mean, they are truly, there's a reason why he was hired. There's a reason why Chris Del Conte, you know, sought him out and, you know, awesome. I mean, the, you know, the elite eight game wasn't great for Texas, but you does, in my opinion, it doesn't erase what they accomplished um, this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. They made a couple runs early in that game and then just ran out of gas and South Carolina's, a phenomenal team and Vic knows that team. They beat him uh, when he was at Mississippi state in the national championship game in 2017. He has a ton of respect for Don Staley, who has a awesome recruiting class coming in herself. So Vic knows he's going to be seeing more of Don Staley in South Carolina uh, down the road, but um, we'll mention real quickly, Texas baseball. Cause we, we know y'all want to know what's going on with the men's basketball situation. We've Talk sort of burying the lead here, right? I know we're, we're, <laughs> we're we, we want you to stick around. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, Texas baseball loses, a a pitcher's duel at Texas A&M. Uh, that game was canceled last year, obviously because of the pandemic. Uh, and so they went that game last year was supposed to be in college station. They go back to college station, Texas, has had trouble winning there. They haven't won there since 2011. And this was a really well-played game by both sides. I mean, the pitchers in this game for Texas were solid. Pete Hansen, um, Tanner Witt, Cole Quintanilla. They gave up two solo home runs. Uh, that's it. And uh, they, had a, they all had a bunch of strikeouts. It was just one of those where A&M, you know, took care of the, the two mistakes if you will, that were thrown in this game. Um, but Pete Hansen, you know, gives up one run on five hits in um, five and a third innings. Tanner Witt gives up a home run in two innings of work, but has five strikeouts and, and Cole Quintanilla scoreless relief. So you could get mad at the bats, but I mean, A&M's got really good pitching and, and they threw their uh, their freshman stud out there, and then they relied on their lefty senior for to close it out, and he did. And and so this weekend, Texas baseball goes to Kansas, 
Kansas 14 and eight Kansas lost their first big 12 series at West Virginia. This should be a, a series Texas wins, but man, you look at what Texas uh, was able to do against South Carolina in baseball swept them. Right. And then look at A&M, A&M got swept by Florida and Florida just got swept by South Carolina. So, <laughs> you know, Texas went from nine to five in the rankings. I thought that was a little high, but A&M, look, they're going to be supercharged for that game. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about Texas baseball right now. No, I mean, the bats for sure were um, problematic. There's only four hits, 29 at bats, but if you, that, kind of even more so shows what um, the pitching was for Texas because A&M only had six hits on 29 at bats too. So only two more hits, but those, you know, two probably were the ones that mattered the most with the solo home runs. So um, yeah, definitely need to get the offense going a little bit, but I think Texas fans should be really pleased with what they're seeing from the pitching, you know, staff. And, and I wonder how much of that do you think is the additions of Houston street, you know, to the coaching staff uh, as a, I guess he's an unpaid assistant, correct? Right. Yeah. Volunteer assistant. Yeah. Not bad, huh? Yeah, not bad. I wish I could volunteer and have that much money or I don't need to get paid. But no, I mean, you know, I think that that's really paying off. And that was a good move by David Pierce to um, go after some of those unpaid um, volunteer assistants when baseball has such, you know, restricted number of coaches that are allowed to be on staff. Uh, the NCAA restricts that number to be so small, you know, so this is definitely paying off and proving to be a really good move, in my opinion, by David Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Troy Tulowitzki also on, on that staff and Houston had a lot to do with putting Tulo and, and David Pierce together. Mm-hmm. All right, Taylor, let's get to the Texas basketball situation. Last Friday, Shaka Smart leaves for Marquette and uh, that started all the the speculation as to where Texas would go to replace Shaka Smart. And we reported immediately that Chris Beard at Texas Tech would be the top target, um, that Royal Ivy would would get an interview, um, that Dana Altman at Oregon was also a shortlist candidate. Others have talked about, you know, Eric Musselman, but um Chris Beard is the top target. And I think by now, if you've been reading at Horns 24-7, you know that his buyout at Texas Tech drops from $5 million to $4 million on April 1st. That would be Thursday of this week. And so um, I think it's been quiet for a reason. Texas is going to abide by the the contract that he has at Texas tech, they're not going to start the conversations Uh, before that. They're going to wait until that buyout drops and then start the conversation and hope that the answer is yes. Um, It's going to be expensive to land Chris Beard, but Texas is going to be opening a $388 million basketball arena after next season. So um, you want to have a guy who can, who can fill it up. And I mean, have I mentioned that Chris Beard graduated from the University of Texas and was a student assistant under Tom Penders in the early 90s? You've never mentioned that. Huh. <laughs> Every time you Amazing. talk about him, you never mention that. <laughs> Amazing. So 
I mean, how uh, expensive told- chip do you think it's going to be? I mean, what type of contract number? I, you know, this, I, I guess it's kind of setting you up to put you in a bad situation. But when you say it's going to be expensive, I think that our listeners would want to know what that type of number entails. Yeah. And I wrote about it in, um, in, in the stories that I've said that, look, Beard is the top target. Others are going to get consideration. Um, but his, he earned $5.1 million this year because he had a $750,000 retention bonus. Now his base salary was 4.4 million. He's supposed to go up to 4.5 million next season. So you got to think that Texas is going to have to come in at 5 million plus mm-hmm. and, and maybe the money's not everything for Chris Beard. Maybe he's okay with a $600,000 a year raise to 5 million a year and he stays under Steve Sarkeesian who's making 5.2 million in a, in the first year of a six year, $34.2 million contract. Now, whatever it takes, whether it's more than Sark or not, I think Texas is, is willing to go there. So that's what we're talking about here. And so um, that's the kind of money we're talking about. 5 million. Uh, we're in that neighborhood. And look, when a guy comes in, He's won everywhere he's been, whether it was at, you know, McMurray or Angelo State or the Juco's that he's coached at. And and then he comes to to Tech. I mean, goes 30 and five in his one year at UALR, University of Arkansas, Little Rock. And then in his second year at Tech, goes to the Elite Eight, his third year, the national championship game. And everyone loves the guy. He's connected to all coaches, high school, Juco. He gets transfers when he needs them. I mean, people forget he went to the elite eight and had recruits that he beat Texas for Zaire Smith and Jarrett Culver. Then he loses four starters off the elite eight team, brings in some transfers and goes to the national championship game with four new starters. I mean, this guy just knows where to get players and then how to coach them up. And He's a legend at Texas Tech. I mean, this is, this is uh, anytime you have an in-conference situation where one coach leaves a school in conference for another school or thinks about it, it's a, it's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be fascinating. But have I mentioned that Chris Beard graduated from Texas? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but it would be a home run hire. It would be a home run hire. I think a lot of people would agree with that. And that's why, you know, the talks of paying a basketball coach possibly $5 million a year, I mean, that's never had, what did Rick Barnes make at his peak? I don't think he ever made 5 million. No, he was, uh, he was approaching 3 million mm-hmm. and then Shaka came in at, at 3 million. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this is a huge jump, but um, as you mentioned, and we, uh, you know, have talked about this before. If you have this $388 million basketball arena, even though Texas is not necessarily paying the bill for it, but they still, you know, have involvement in all of that. Um, how embarrassing would that be if they have a, you know, a bad product and nobody shows up to the games? I mean, 
Shaka Smart even mentioned that in his um, Marquette introductory press conference. And he talked about how, you know, he took for granted um, for six years at VCU, like what it was like to have a full arena. And I saw that quote and I was thinking, okay, I've, I've been a defender of Shaka Smart. And that was one that really kind of like rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Cause it's like, is there no accountability for why you are no longer at Texas? Is there no accountability for why people didn't want to go to the games? Like zero NCAA tournament wins in six years, you know, two of five and times where there was a tournament and it's 10 years didn't make it. Um, you're like 11 making, and 22 in year two with Jared Allen. Yeah. You're making you're, you got, you know, pocketed $19 million and you're wondering why people didn't want to see the product and didn't want to go to the arena. It's like, that's on you win some games, you know, perform the way that your team should perform with the talent that they've had since he has been the head coach. And then fans will come. It's like, if you build, it's like fill the dreams. If you build it, you know, they will come. If you build a winning team that does, knows how to at least win one game in the NCAA tournament, Texas fans are loyal. They will come to the arena, but if you don't, they're not going to. And, and I kind of, I mean, you feel bad for the players, but you kind of understand at that point, you know, it's, you get, they gave up on it. And um, I, I didn't really like that. He kind of pointed to the fact that, oh, you know, I, I took for granted the full arena. It's like, well, maybe you should perform better as a head coach, got your teams to buy in better, got your teams to play together more consistently and not crash consistently mid season. And then fans would have come in and you would have had the full arena. Well, and this, this truly could end up being a win-win for both because Texas is a monster. Any, any job, but especially the high profile, the revenue sports jobs are a monster because of all the different levels of scrutiny and the big money, the fans, the vocal fans, Texas are front runners. I mean, that's the way it is. They want to be part of a winning product. And when it's not winning, they will just tune it out. Um, They're not going to show up if, if it's a bad product and, and that's the way it is. So, you go, you go get a guy like Chris Beard, who's relentless. He's in a lot of ways like um, Nick Saban of basketball, because he just thinks about it all the time. He's constantly coming up with new ways to get his players to reach deeper and, and go further than they thought they could go. And, and I know some people are listening go, come on, man, he's, we don't even know how good of a recruiter he is. Are you kidding? If you recruit a transfer, you've recruited. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of funny to me that people are like, well, he only brings in transfers. Well, he fills in holes where he needs to. And he brings in, I mean, does anyone uh, follow Texas Tech basketball? Because Micah Peavy is a pretty damn good freshman, six seven guard who, if Beard takes the Texas job, sure would be nice if he transferred over to tech, but anyway, um, we digress Taylor. I, I think we, uh, I think we've kind of emptied the notebook there. So you ready well, for I, some, I have, one, I have one question for you, Chip. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If it's not, if you are 
in charge of this coaching hire and it's Chris Beard turns Texas down. Who's your second choice? Um, that's a great question. I would make, uh, I would make Mark few at Gonzaga say no. Mm-hmm. Cause I think he's making 2.7 or 2.9 million. Not that money's everything, but that guy sure seems to know exactly what he's looking for and how to build it. I would make Mark few say no. I would go to Billy Donovan who's been in the, you know, he won two national championships at Florida and has been in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I think if Billy still has the hunger for it, he would be a great hire. I think Kansas would look at Billy Donovan if Bill Self finally goes to the San Antonio Spurs, as everyone suspects. But those would probably be my first two. Okay. I was curious because, you know, you've covered Texas basketball, covered a number of coaches at Texas too. I was just curious, you know, kind of, direction that you would go, um, you know, and trying to replace Chaka Smart. So, you know, Mark Few is a Pacific Northwest guy. Sark's a Pacific uh, West Coast guy. <laughs> He's been up at Washington. I mean, you know, yeah, maybe they could uh, hit it off and say, let's, uh, you know, come to Austin. It's the new Pacific Northwest. I don't know. Just make yeah. something up. But um, all right. So, Taylor, are you ready for some uh, love it or leave it? Yeah. So um, before we get to love it or leave it, Chip, we're going to take a really short break. But when we return, we're going to continue some football talk as the Longhorns prepare to hopefully resume spring practice Thursday. So stay tuned. We will be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. All right. Love it or leave it. We will know by the end of the week who the next Texas basketball coach will be. Woo. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to love this. I'm going to love this because I, as I've reported at Horns 24-7, I've had enough conversations with people. I know Chris Beard is absolutely the top target. And I said, if there's been silence, and you know, leading into April 1st, Texas fans should take that as a good sign. As long as Beard doesn't come out and say, I'm not going anywhere, or Tech doesn't announce some new contract deal with his signature on it, then that's a good sign for Texas fans. So, um, based on what we've seen in the past, things move pretty quickly. So I will love this Taylor that uh, by the end of the week, uh, we will know who the new basketball coach at Texas is going to be. Okay. What say you? Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, I think it kind of goes to the same, the saying silence is deafening. And I think this is a deafening silence right now, potentially, but you're right. I mean, these, you know, coaching hires 
that um, Chris Del Conte has done since he arrived at Texas have gone really, really quick. And just like, you know, when he replaced or fired Tom Herman, you know, after the uh, 2020 football season, that was what, two, three days after the season ended. And then that same day, you know, had Sarkisianary lined up. So I agree. I think that this is going to move quickly. Um, and I think people should be refreshing, you know, uh, Horns 24-7 website consistently over the next several days um, with the, that April 1st buyout dropping by a million dollars. So I agree. I'm going to love it. I like it. All I like right. It. I like the refreshing of Horns 24-7 too. Yeah. And if you're not a member, we currently are running a 50% off uh, promotion for both um, current monthly members who upgrade to annual and then new members get 50% off their first year of the insider, you know, Longhorn leading insider Longhorn site. So take advantage of that while it's here because it's not going to be here for very long. Yeah. And Mike Roach is killing it on the recruiting scene. Taylor, Jeff Howe. I mean, Nick, Nick Harris. Harris. It's a great team. We, we get you so much content. It's ridiculous. It is. Yeah. All right. My next one for you, Chip, is love it or leave it. Eddie Reese needs a statue in front of the Jamail Swim Center. Absolutely. I mean, this is the biggest love is, I mean, I've, I've been clamoring for a plaque, something for my man, Austin Wood for throwing, you know, 13 innings of relief. Uh, no hit relief, by the way. It was ridiculous what he did in that NCAA tournament game against Boston College. Gosh, now that was that was like 10 years ago. I think that wasn't that 2011. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can we get a plaque or something <laughs> yeah. in the concourse of the dish for my man Austin Wood for what he did in that game? I mean, it was only like the longest game in NCAA baseball tournament history. 25 innings for crying out loud um, and a statue for Eddie Reese in front of the Jamail swim center. I think 15 national championships might do the trick. Taylor, what do you say? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm definitely going to love this. It's probably something that should have been done, you know, while he was on uh, the head, co- the head coach of men's swimming and diving. But I, I imagine that Chris Del Conte, he gets it. I think that, I would not be surprised if there's some type of announcement coming soon about some, some type of, you know, honor um, for him in the swim center, just for everything that he did for the program. And he's going to, he is the best of all time. You know, I mean, people, people, I always say people overuse the term goat, you know, greatest of all time, but this is not overusing it here. I can tell you that he is literally the greatest of all time. And that deserves recognition that people can acknowledge every single time they go into that swim center. Yep get that bronze melted up and get ready to whip it up into a statue. Cause it's time. Yes. Totally agree. All right, Chip, one more for you. Some football here. Uh, love it or leave it. The COVID-19 pause in spring football has been a big setback. Um, now that we know that they're planning to resume football on Thursday of this week, it's, it's not a big setback. It's, mm-hmm. it's a setback, but Um, They're going to get all their 15 spring practices in barring any other unforeseen circumstances. And the fact that they've been able to get three walkthroughs in practices without a ball, 
Um, and the players are still having to show what they know in terms of the offense and where they're supposed to be going on defense. The coaches can watch that stuff. I mean, if you've ever seen an NFL practice, they're all pretty much walkthroughs. They don't hit that much in the NFL because they can't afford to get guys injured. So, I mean, the coaches can see if guys taking a wrong step, they can watch film. They've been doing that. So in some ways they've been getting in maybe a little extra, Um, but this will not be a big setback as long as there's no other unforeseen circumstances, Taylor. Yeah, I agree with that. I was going to say barring some situation happening where they are not able to get all 15 of their practices in. I'm going to love this because same thing, you know, I mean, it's not like these, they haven't been able to be, you know, near the team. As you mentioned, if anything, they kind of get a little bit extra time with them. Um, And, you know, I think, as long as the practices are there, then this is not a setback in the slightest. Now it might be a setback for some people who maybe had planned to come possibly to the spring game or something like that, or if they have to move that back. But no, I think that as long as Texas can get those spring practices in, I think that they'll be good. And I think they'll keep the spring game on the, on April 24th, even if they've, even if they have to have a couple of practices after okay. the spring game, Um, I think they'll keep that just for all the things you just said for planning purposes and everything. So don't be surprised if they have the spring game on the 24th and and if they need to have a practice or two after um, the spring game. So um, yeah, well, Taylor, great show. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I think it was, uh, I think it was an exceptional flagship podcast this week and great job. And hopefully everyone who's been listening will wander over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and maybe a few kind words for our bosses. That would be fantastic. And we'll always mention when you do that on the air here at the flagship podcast. So, um, you know, if you find it in your heart, And until next week, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Everybody stay safe and keep the faith. Thanks for listening to the Flagship Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.